This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you like underground music, movies, and more, go to portlanddistro.com for licensed merch, vinyl, CDs, and more. Plug in the discount code 10 off T E N O F F for a 10% discount at portlanddistro.com. Hello friends, thanks for joining us this week. Of course, you're listening to the Everything Went Black podcast. Welcome, Aaron Hama of Colliterous, my road brother. We spent a bunch of time on the road together recently. Of course, I'm referring to the Origin Abysmal Dawn Tombs Colliterous tour. Now, Aaron's gonna get into a bunch of this stuff, but on that tour, Colliterous experienced a lot of trouble, man. A lot of mechanical problems, van failures, things like that, but they kept a stiff upper lip and showed up and made all the shows they could. They missed a lot, but they made a lot of the shows too, and I have nothing but respect for those guys. Above and beyond the respect I have for them just as being like totally sick musicians. But they wouldn't give up, and uh, I have like such love in my heart for them. I knew these guys were having a hard time on the road, but I just didn't know how intense the story was going to be. And the story that Aaron is going to tell us tonight is filled with so much stuff that I had no idea was going on. It's a really incredible story, and uh, I really can't wait for you guys to hear this. Before we get into that, I just want to thank everyone who has joined the Patreon. I'd like to thank Tina, a friend, someone who I know in real life, who actually joined, and she has joined the ranks of the very few women, very few ladies who are on the Patreon. So welcome, Tina. And if you want to get involved in the podcast for as little as $1 a month, you can support the show, and that gives you access to all the bonus content. For $2 a month, you get the bonus content plus early access to all of the regular stream episodes. That means you get everything ahead of time. For $25 a month, that is a special sponsor-only tier that we just added. So you get an ad read custom, and um, yeah, you can do that for one or two months if you have like a project or uh, a band or business or something that you want to sponsor. Similar to what we do for our regular sponsor, Portland Distro, you can, you can join up and, uh, and get, get involved with that. And then in addition to your ad read, you get all the bonus content and all that other stuff. So enough of that, we're gonna get on with this story. First of all, I have to say, I think, congratulations. Is that in order? Yeah, but it's it's kind of old news, to be honest. You oh, know, really? Uh, <laughs> oh, jeez. Like, okay. my wife is actually one centimeter dilated right now. Oh, man. Okay, is this, a so, good, is this an okay time for you, though? Well, uh, they said that the baby could stay in there for another month if it wanted to. So, okay. I mean, I'm not even at home. I, we just finished recording the last al- the, the new album. Okay. <clears throat> I'm actually... Uh, you're gonna laugh i'm actually at a party right now really and uh with the guys from first fragment and beyond creation and uh cryptopsy on on human oh shit dude it's like some canadian uh rock stars there well it's like a little backyard barbecue kind of thing we haven't seen each other in like three years so it's kind of nice to all hang out Uh, and it's kind of like a a little powwow for the last (laughs) uh time i'm gonna be able to 
hang out before the kid arrives, you know, in two weeks or whatever. No, totally, dude. But, uh, you know, I, I know I'm late to the game, but once again, just uh, congratulations. And um, that's, that's thanks, great. man. That's that's, uh, that's beautiful, man. I'm really happy for you. Yeah, you know, uh, she was super fucking stressed out the whole time I was on tour because like crazy shit just kept happening to me. And she's like ultra pregnant, even back, even at that point, you know, she yeah. was six months, six months or seven months at that point. So the tour. it was fucked, man, you know, during <laughs> the tour. So, dude, that's that makes shit even more intense with uh, the whole thing that. Yeah, we're, man. We're, so I was I was. I, I, I guess a lot of people didn't know. I think the guys in Origin kind of knew because uh, some of us were pals uh, from the old days, you know? Uh-huh. And um, I, but it was like super stressful for her. <laughs> like, what could I say? Oh my God. But you know what we were going through, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and for everyone else out there that, that's um, going to be listening to this, let's uh, give a little brief about this whole situation. So, um, you know, as everyone at this point knows who listens to this podcast, um, you know, I just wrapped up a tour with Tombs and uh, we were out on the road with Origin, Abysmal Dawn, and Calitoris. And uh, Aaron, you know, you guys, you guys have all listened to the intro by now. So uh, Aaron is the founding member and lead shredder in uh, Calitoris. And we spent yeah. about a month on the road together. And uh, it was it was an interesting tour because everyone was excited to get back out on the road. Um, and it was a glut of other tour packages happening all at the same time. So I think we were, we were following rivers of Nihil basically by a week. And I think they were out with Fallujah, which is like a pretty, they're like doing, they're pretty trendy bands, you know, they're young and hot and they got <laughs> shit going for them, you know, whereas as you know, like we're a little older, we're a little more, Grizzled. Seasoned. Seasoned. You know. Seasoned. (laughs) You know. And I I remember when we were talking backstage one night, I said, man, how long long have you been doing this? And I think you said uh, 10 years or something, right? You said 10 years or 15. With the band. Yeah. And and then I said, you're not going to believe this, but we've been a band for, for 17 years, you know? And it's like all the bands on that tour have been around a long time. Even Abysmal Dawn, they've been around longer than us. So, well, well, let me ask you about that seventeen-year career, man. Because I, I, you know, I mean, I, I, I like to think that I stay up on everything, you know, but a lot of stuff slips by me. So, mm-hmm. how did the band start? Before we get into all the fun adventure stuff, I just want to get some background on the band before, uh, you know, before we get into all the fun stuff. You know okay. I mean? Well, I was in a band before this. Uh, this band called. The Kindred, which was at the time called today, I caught the plague, and we'd got like a. I, I, I left the band, and as soon as I left the band, uh, the the contract with Sumerian Records went into play, and uh, they had promised me that I was going to be able to play in a band where it was going to be like all the different styles that I loved, you know, and uh, there was going to be a shit ton of blast beats, and it was going to be like kind of death metal, but also kind of like progressive in a way you know sure. and uh i then like we wrote all these songs and i wrote a few songs and they were kind of going more in the direction of like more just progressive metal and uh eventually a bunch of the guys ended up leaving and joining this band called protest the hero from yeah. canada yep i remember that band. so basically like the band evolved into protest the hero and that was my old band right and i was promised blast beats and chaos 
Dillinger parts and I was lied to. So then I started my own band. And after I started this Colliterous band, which was like a a band that I wanted to start to kind of like keep the noise core, grindcore, deathcore, all these different styles of music kind of going. And our main influencers were bands like, you know, Psyopus, Cephala Carnage. I wrestled the bear once. And these are all bands that like, they basically don't do anything anymore. And it was a style that we really wanted to kind of replicate and be involved with this chaotic style of death metal. It, you know, and we took too long to make our albums. We kind of, we kind of like partying more than we liked playing music at the time. And we did a, a couple tours, you know, and then we kind of disbanded for a while. And I joined another band on Unique Leader Records called Immersed. And then I ended up joining Vital Remains oh, wow. uh, shortly yeah. after. And then after I left Vital Remains, I did Annihilator. And like kind of somewhere in between there, uh, I restarted the band uh, with a really solid lineup. I had guys from Suffocation, guys from First Fragment, guys from Cryptopsy. And it was like we were doing good things. But to be honest, like we weren't like ready for the tours we were getting put on. Uh, even though we were all like from these already successful bands, but like together we were like kind of toxic. Uh, we, like I said, we liked the party more than we liked to play music. And then at some point we kind of smartened our act up and the band kind of got more serious and we finished our albums and we started actually doing stuff. And that's why it took 17 years. You know, our first album, I think took six years and our second album also took six years. So that's 12 years right out of the way, you know? Damn, that is quite a bit of time to spend on, uh, you know, putting a record together. Well, the thing, too, was uh, with the first album, uh, money was always an issue, you know. Uh, we wanted to do things right. And we recorded all of our albums with uh, Chris Donaldson from Cryptopsy. Right. And I kind of co-produced with him. But in the end, it was like uh, we're, we're, we're kind of only starting to make our mark in the last two years since our last album came out. Um, although our, like our most successful uh, songs, you know, are from the first album is just really because they've, they've been out for so long. And uh, <clears throat> then that brings us to a, like at the timeline now where you and I met each other on this origin tour, which is uh, before this, we've only really done two other high profile tours, one with cryptopsy, one with, uh, Gorod, and right before the pandemic, we were supposed to tour with Origin, uh, Beneath the Massacre, and Defeated Sanity. Oh wow, that would have been great. Yeah, and yeah, and I think that that's why, and it got canceled because of the pandemic. And I think that that's why we got on that tour with Origin. They probably felt sorry for us in some way, which is generally the case with Colliterous because we <laughs> end up, uh, uh, you know, breeding chaos around us, you know, constantly. Well, you know, it's the, the interesting thing about you guys is that there there is this um, you know, party atmosphere, but when watching you guys play, man, there's like a lot of fucking intense like musicianship going on. Well, I'll tell you, the honesty behind the show is we want the show to feel like it's going off the rails at all points of time, like something crazy could happen at all times. But and we're you know, we're drinking and having fun. But we want it to be scary when we start playing. 
so we we practice a lot you know we were like, yeah we were, oh, fuck yeah we do shows yeah you know we, we practice a lot and we would try to make the show as tight as possible because uh you know we're not really like we're not one a serious death metal band that talks about like any form of political topics any form of uh you know <laughs> any form of rationality you know we're talking about <laughs> we're talking about movies and comics and pokemon cards and partying and doing drugs in your early teens and having you know like all like we're we're nostalgia the band you know and that's what we're trying to emit when we play but at the same time uh the music kind of comes first and i think that shows you know like like you were on tour with us when we, all the crazy shit was happening the only thing we weren't worried about was playing every night yeah dude you guys are incredibly well rehearsed and i was like fucking watching you guys play and the you know fucking drums everything every every instrument in that band was like totally off the chain in my opinion you know what i mean and i was like fuck dude like <laughs> i gotta go yeah play. I, I could barely i barely know how to play bar chords and i have to fucking go up there and play now and i was like holy shit you know well i'll tell you 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 guys were probably out of i won't say who but out of our band and there's six guys you know because there's we got two drummers even though one of them only came out for a couple of the shows and i think vancouver and calgary we weren't even there you know so he's hanging just hanging out with you guys but you you your band was like the our favorite band on the tour if oh, you were to factor you. out each guys uh because like we're not always looking for technicality you know yeah. um we're looking for a little bit of structure and substance you know and also um I don't know. I think a uh, two or two or four of the two or two to four of the guys in this band really love black metal, like a lot. And then they also love like kind of doom metal. Yeah, I guess. And you guys were that perfect combination. You know, I don't even know how to. I, the way I was describing it to, I was like I said, I'm at a party right now, and I was describing your band to uh, Yuri, who's the guitar player in Unhuman, and he used to play in Cryptopsy, and. I was the only way I could describe it was like avant-garde doom black metal because it's just it's it's hard hitting you know and of oh, course you got man. a great lineup you know yeah well you know that's those guys are totally sick but uh that means a lot to me man because like I really grew to respect you guys a lot on this tour and not just because of your your playing ability and how much you guys shred but you guys went through the hell for at least from where I was standing. And oh, yeah. It was uh, a great adventure, man, to put it lightly, I guess, in some ways. Well, you know, we talk about it, and we're like, you know, we got to think logically when we're doing stuff, and we got to move forward, and we got to know that <laughs> some of these things that we're doing are going to be great memories in the future, so just remember that, right? But, um, again, I'm at a party. I just said I'm going to do an interview about this, about the tour, and the guy who's hosting the party said, well, you know, it wouldn't be a colliterous tour if there wasn't chaos. <laughs> Tell me one tour where there wasn't chaos. And I, and then, you know, Yuri, who used to be in the band, and the bass player Forrest, who plays in Augury and Beyond Creation and uh, First Fragment and all these in Quo Vadis, you know, he looks at me and he goes, there's never been any tour that was normal with you guys, you know, like you guys always had crazy things happen. And I'll tell you, Michael, uh, 
we did uh, I, i'll tell you like our bass player uh zav he's here right now and he just said to me oh hey you know he said the the tour we did in the winter where the van heater broke down in canada and we were stuck in the van for 30 hours because we blew a tire Man. in minus like I think it was minus 40, minus 35, you know, we were really fucking cold. And he said, when I peeled the, the icy sock off my foot, you know, that's, that was worse than almost dying in the back of that box truck in the Midwest during a heat wave. Heat has nothing on cold. Like the cold, you don't even start hallucinating. You just start, you basically your skin just starts burning. So we've had like crazy shit happen not just on that tour, but like on a lot of other tours. We did a tour with, uh, I think it was Gorod or it was with Blood of Christ. And we, like I said, we kind of, our, our heater broke and we, we were stuck on a native reserve um, where the drives are about eight hours between gas stations. Damn. So we, we stopped at this one gas station and got all these like little, they're like heat pads where you break a seal inside of this little pouch and it becomes very hot. It's, I mean, it's yeah, I've like seen, a, I've seen those around. Yeah, you, you, the truck you, stops and you see them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought the whole fucking box and everyone was putting them in their, their socks and in their hands. And our tour manager at the time was scratching ice off the inside of the windshield, like inside the van, you know? And uh, I've never peeled like us. Like I said, we, we were peeling socks frozen to our feet and we had to get to the show it was our highest paying show of the tour it was our hometown show and we had to get there to to make the like to balance out the tour a little bit sure and we had sent our drummer with the other band because we're like man he needs his feet and he needs his hands to play properly or shit's really fast and i think the guitar players can survive as long as we keep our hands safe you know i had frostbite on my feet after that tour so oh, man. as crazy as you think that the shit we were going through on that tour was the reason why we were in such good spirits is because like two years ago, right before the pandemic, we had gone through a tour that was even way like crazier nightmare hell than that. That's heavy, man. I didn't, I, I obviously, I didn't know idea about any of this stuff. You know what I mean? That with this like, yeah. uh, you know, Arctic, Arctic, you know, hazard tour that you were talking. Oh yeah. About. We were only, we were only about eight or eight or 10 hours away from being in the Northwest territories, which is on the same, uh, like altitude level as Alaska. Damn, you, you! I didn't realize you can tour all the way up there. Hey, man, you come to Canada with you come to Canada with us sometime. I'll show you these places, man. <laughs> it's uh, it's crazy, you know. Like, th there's a um, there's concerts everywhere. Everyone loves music, you know. That you know, I've I, oh for years I've wondered about that because I've only ever played that southern route, like the southern Canadian cities, you know. Yeah, like, uh, Winnipeg and Calgary and. You know, uh, Vancouver, of course, Toronto. Honestly, you know. it's it's rare you even play like Calgary and Winnipeg. Like it's that's even rare. Usually, tours only hit Montreal, Toronto, and Vancouver. You know, With the Regina show actually got canceled. I don't know if you knew about that. Well, I know that that show was a bit bit weird to begin with, and every yeah. time we play Regina, it's a bit bit strange. But there is a scene there. I know that. Like. Uh, We've uh, we played there a few times and it's been pretty crazy, but the the real uh, the real scenes are in Vancouver and in 
Ottawa, Toronto, and Montreal. Um, the unfortunate reality, though, is uh, we missed all those shows. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, let's let's, well, because, let's talk a little bit about that too, because like you know, we start the tour in Albuquerque, New Mexico. You know, everyone's happy and excited. You know, you guys drove a long way. We we drove across the country to get there, and uh, you know, Origin had been on tour for a few weeks. You know, maybe a while actually prior to that. Yeah, they've been on tour with Misery Index and Wolf King. Yes, and uh, Abysmal Dawn just had a quick ride out from L.A., so we all met up. And everyone, you know, everyone's in good spirits. The show was a little ropey, you know, whatever, but it is what it is. First show, Albuquerque. And uh, things were going along pretty well for everyone, I thought. And then you guys started having trouble with the van. Oh, big time, yeah. We started, basically, uh, on this tour, we broke down four times in three rental vehicles. Now, the original is... van, was that one of you guys, or did you rent that No, it was... Well? This is uh, actually, I'll, I'll, I'm going to be totally honest with the whole story. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, you want to hear some crazy shit you never heard before? I'll tell you the whole story. I, I do. So I borrowed that van from a friend of mine. And that friend today, uh, like we've been trying to get his van actually. It's, it's, it's been sitting in a, like a mechanic's yard since we broke down in uh, Oregon. And uh, he's actually one of, my, one of my really good friends. I, I borrowed the van from him. And he, I called him today to try to s explain, you know, like, uh, we're, we've been trying to find uh, some kind of, they, there's these guys who do, do heavy machinery, like delivery across the country. They could bring shit to Canada. I think they're called, um, oh, what are they called? I can't even remember right now, but there's these, uh, companies that ship heavy machinery on the back of trucks and we've been trying to get them to bring the van back even though the engine's blown which i don't know if anyone here knows but the engine blew up in, in uh oregon and it's my friend's van so i'm trying to help get this thing back because he happens to be a mechanic who would swap the engine out for a new one right well he called me today because i messaged him to try to tell him like you know uh i'm getting a be using some kind of service to try to get this van back for you and he's like well uh i'm gonna have to send you some kind of form because i'm going to jail you know oh man really? uh he was being sent yeah he's being sentenced today so i i'm actually kind of like trying to figure out how to get this thing back i don't know what his sentencing was like he might only have weekends he might have during the week but it's uh it's a it's a real crazy situation now when we broke down, we broke down the first time it was in Arizona. Yeah. And we broke down. Um, we had a sh we'd stopped before the show. We were we'd gained a few hours, so we were like, you know what? Let's stop in the in the desert at this rest stop. And we uh, kind of had a like a playthrough music video we had to shoot. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we had all this gear in our tra in our trailer. All these 4K cameras. We're like, let's stop here. We can, you know, it's cool in the desert. Let's film some kind of video. As we're filming the video, this truck stops, and the guy comes up to us and starts saying, you know, basically he's rambling. Like I, I just assumed he was in like an old war veteran because mm -hmm. okay. he was rambling about things like. You know, I don't know what, what you call this thing. He's referring to our van. Mm 
but you know the winds are so bad in this in the desert you know it'll flip this thing right over and then he's saying you know oh he looks at, at one of our texts and says where's the leader where's the leader and you know they point at me they go there's the leader and you know this guy's fucking scaring the shit out of all of us yeah he's scaring he goes, me right uh, now just you telling me the story jesus holds up a fucking little carving and starts saying ohama 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 right and which means like uh oh, oh sorry ohana ohana which means family and the day before uh at the show uh, my grandmother had passed away you know oh man sorry to hear that and and it was kind of you know crazy so he's screaming at me ohana ohana holding up some fucking kind of like native carving uh he talks to our tour manager he says listen i i have a, an album that was my favorite album in high school i want to give it to you guys it means a lot he ends us a rebel yell billy idol cd case and inside of it it's like a a tool cd with like tons of eyeballs on it you know oh yeah okay and uh we're like this is very fucking strange like it's very weird so we pack up the trailer as fast as we can after we're done doing this little music video thing and we start driving through the arizona canyons um specifically this horseshoe canyon and we break down as we're like going down the hill just the van just stops uh not and it's not even like i've had the alternator go before where the battery goes but then like you can still drive the van until it stops no everything just dies and we're on a really really steep incline going down through uh right past the horseshoe canyon so we get out and we're starting like trying to wave cars down no one will stop for us and two of the guys matt and jp say like listen we're gonna go back up the mountain try to find cell phone service because there was also no cell phone service where we were right so we're like uh what the fuck are we gonna do i guess two guys gotta go start trekking so they put sunscreen on they start going up the mountain and uh eventually uh, a fellow stops for us he's in a, like a pickup truck it's a native guy. He's actually lives on the Navajo Reserve, which is where we had broken down, or re reservation. I'm not sure how they refer to them in the states. And he says, like, listen, where you boys went, there is no cell phone service. The only cell phone service is down the mountain. They could walk for two days. They're not going to find anything. So I ask him really nicely, you know, can you maybe go grab them and bring them down to us? He says, absolutely, I'll go get them. When he comes back, he says, I'm going to help you guys coast down the mountain <laughs> because it's not safe for you guys to coast without uh, power brakes because it's a diesel van. So I don't know if you know this, but on a diesel van, there's a, a brake pump that is actually powered. So if you don't have power in your van, you have to use um, like the brakes. Basically, you have to push with 50 pounds of fucking force to get this fucking brake to work. So uh, I'm just like panicking because I'm the one driving and I'm staying behind this guy and he ends up getting us to a little truck offshoot area that has cell phone service. Continuing on, he leaves and everything's great. We call, I have um, this in Canada, we have something called CAA. It's okay. the same as AAA, yeah. all right? Gotcha. Uh, which covers me apparently fully i have the premium i pay the premium for that uh triple a won't pick us up they refuse to pick us up 
because there's six of us. And if we do a pickup and there's only space for two people, they have to leave four people behind in the desert. And they say, well, we, we refuse to pick you guys up because we won't leave anyone stranded. Oh, man. Wow. You understand that they're going to leave us all stranded because they won't <laughs> like, leave us. I was going to say there's some brutal irony with what they with their uh, decision not to pick anyone up. So it's like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, so we're sitting there we're like, what are we going to do? How are we going to get out of this mess? Right. The, then the, the fellow who actually helped us down the hill in the truck shows back up uh, and he's got a dog with him and he's like uh how are you how are you guys doing we're like well they won't come and get us we tell them the story and he's it's like that's fucked up i'll take my dog home and i'll drive you guys the extra guys and the trailer to the shop so that the tow truck will come and get you with like no hassles at all oh wow man that was great it was a two-hour drive each way two hours damn okay. yeah yeah okay well there's out there's a lot now, of wide open spaces out there man and travel is a different thing precisely so AAA um, says to me on the phone, they say like, well, we'll drive you the two hours and we'll do it for free because we left you out in the, in the desert for so long. Which I mean, like, I guess getting it for free is great, but they left us in the desert for six hours. We could have died. Like if it was a hot day, we could have died. Yeah. And uh, so we, uh, we get to the shop that's two hours away and it's in a small town in Arizona I can't even remember the name of the town and it was kind of like on the water. So wherever there's a river, there's like, this is where this little town was. And we get into the shop and, uh, Oh, by the way, the, 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 the last guy who helped us, his name was major and he's an awesome dude. Uh, it's a side note. Um, so he drives the four of the guys and I'm driving the, or I'm sorry, I'm in the tow truck with this total lunatic of a human being who's driving the tow, the tow truck. Right. And we get to the um, the mechanic shop, the only mechanic shop that's open. And they say, we're going to stay open late to help you guys. Okay, great. Um, and we kind of form a like a friendship with these people to the point where they're like, listen, we can't get the part to your van, but it's we have found it. We found one in Glendale, and we'll drive you. We'll take you in our tow truck and our truck – to Glendale in Arizona, which is another two hours away. Man. Okay. So I say, well, you know, you can't take the tow. Like you can't on the tow truck. You can't put the van and the trailer. And she goes, I know I'll take the trailer on my truck and you guys will all sit in the van on the tow truck. Okay. She pulls out, you know, with a monster truck. She's got herself a monster truck and <laughs> And the other guy in the tow truck is like her best friend uh, or, or her husband's best friend. And they're like, we'll, we'll tell you there. Okay. Again, I got to get on the phone with AAA because I'm going to use AAA to, to like get the tow. Cause she's like, I'm with AAA. I can tow you guys. You can use your thing or your free tow. Of course they won't do it. And I have to pay another $850 out of my fucking pocket. Oh, okay. Man, 850. And this is after I just paid to do the other tow too because they wouldn't cover that. But don't worry, I've got that money back since. They they've given me that money back when I came into Canada. But I can't help but think that uh, maybe people who don't have 850 US dollars sitting in their pocket when they're about to get towed on the side of the fucking street 
might have a bit more of a problem. So I, you know, CAA and AAA might need to get their shit together. So we get towed to Glendale. We're sitting in the parking lot of a uh, auto parts, auto source, whatever it's called. Matt Danny, our singer, actually changed. He changes the fuel pump under the van with the instructions from the mechanic who's standing outside, who's holding the flashlight for him. Damn. Uh, we kind of get it to start, but it doesn't really start. There's still something going on. We can't figure it out, like a fuel leak or something. So the the nice lady and the nice man, they leave because they're two hours away. Um, as a side note, while we were in the auto parts, which is a weird place in the States, like these these parts stores are open till 11 or 12 at night, which is not a thing that's, that's it's not like that in Canada. So we were kind of lucky where we could get the parts and kind of try to change them. But the some of the workers from this auto parts store were out in the parking lot smoking meth in their trucks oh, and man. just started fucking tearing their the insides of their trucks apart looking for something. I don't know what they're looking for. They're looking for something. They're probably just like tripping out, right? Yeah, just like tweaking probably, yeah. Yeah, and apparently Glendale's not a safe place. So the next day uh, we're starting to like, what are we going to do? It's Memorial Day weekend. Like we're not going to be able to find a mechanic. So we basically just start asking every single person we can outside of the auto parts, like, are you a mechanic? Can you help us? We eventually meet a guy named Froy, who's like a, uh, he runs the Golden Gloves tournament, which oh. is like a big boxing tournament. Yeah, boxing, in, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in Arizona. And he's like, I, my dad actually owns a shop. I'll help you guys out. Uh, it takes three days, but he gets our, our truck working and we're staying in a hotel uh, a La Quinta in um, central Arizona. About 20 feet from our hotel is the most heavily drug trafficked street in North America. So there's like at night, what I can only describe is like a plethora of zombies and crackheads everywhere. I go outside to like smoke a joint and try to chill out after I probably slept a day and a half just because we were so tired from all the shit that had happened. And I wake up at like three in the morning. Like I said, I had to go smoke a joint or smoke a cigarette or whatever I was doing. And I go to the front desk to ask if there's like a place where I can buy some snacks, you know? And the guy at the front desk says, no, there isn't. And uh, where are you from? Your, your accent's weird. And I say, I'm from Canada. And he says, what are you doing here? And I explain to him the whole situation. And he says to me, Oh, it's, it sounds like you met a skinwalker. Oh, geez, really? And I say to him, what the fuck is that? And he goes, <laughs> oh, my God. He goes, it's a serious thing. It's on the where you broke down in the Navajo uh, Reserve. Like, uh, that's one of the most heavily active paranormal uh, sites on the planet. And I say to him, what what are you talking like this is crazy what are you talking about he says he says to me you'll know a skinwalker because they're they're basically navajo witch doctors who can shift between animals and human beings yeah, okay they're shapeshifters yeah they're shapeshifters yep and he said you would know if this guy was weird cuz he wouldn't move normally and he would say things like the just don't make sense like when he would call my van 
this strange thing will get knocked over in the wind. And he also started saying Ohana to me, which is very strange because we're in the middle of the desert. The other thing, too, was the first thing I said to our drummer, JP, as soon as we left was, you see that guy? He wasn't even a fucking human being. <laughs> oh, man. So this guy starts telling me about all this, all the traits of a skinwalker, all the things that they do, and basically how they curse you um, and stay with you for quite a while, you know, and uh, like to induce misery on your life, as a witch doctor, I guess, would do. So in the morning, I'm freaking out all night. This guy tells me all this shit. I'm like, I've never been a person of superstition or <laughs> anything like that. But all the like all the clues and all the signs point to the same thing. So I wake the guys up eventually, and I say, like, listen, you guys got to hear what I just was told about this skinwalker. And then they they start freaking out because they're like, that guy was totally a fucking skinwalker. What is going on, right? Uh, and of course some of the guys don't believe me. So I take them to the front desk and the first thing that happens when I go to the front desk is the, the fellow who was telling me all this points at a random person in the line for the breakfast. Cause the breakfast area is right there too at the hotel right. and says, these guys met a skinwalker in the Arizona desert. And the guy just says, Oh, you guys are fucked. Oh man. You know? And I'm all the guys are hearing all these like stories about this shit. And they're like, what the fuck? And then, Here's the weird part is then Matt Danny, our singer, says to me, I, I didn't want to tell you this, but the the fellow who picked us up major told us he was like a, a shaman. And he was telling us about all this shit. And then I looked up on the internet about Navajo shaman. Well, they always travel with a dog because the dog's supposed to test if the people are are evil or, or not. This guy was traveling with a dog when he came back to see if we were evil or not, you know? And he told Matt that he was a shaman? He told Matt, yeah, because he, he was explaining as he was driving Matt uh, to the mechanics, because me and uh, JP were driving with the, uh, the tow truck guy. He was explaining all of these Navajo rituals the entire time, all the way back. Uh, every, everything. Like anything you could talk about in terms of historical landmarks or strange paranormal activity, he was telling Matt Denny about. And then uh, he said, said, and he, go, and he goes, you don't want to hear this, but you know, the guy said to me, you need to find some white sage. Well, that chick with the monster truck, her name was Sage. And she oh. was the whitest chick we've ever met in our life. <laughs> but I think he actually meant like the, uh, the you know, the plant. Of course, <laughs> but no, I got the, you. Yeah. the circumstances are ours. And she was the only person to save us, you know? So we're now at the, um, Froy with the golden gloves and he's got us at his father's shop and they're self-proclaimed, uh, Mexican immigrants. Okay. They've, they got over the border and they've since, I think some of them were born over the border, so they ended up being able to get citizenship or whatever. They're not really necessarily able to fix the van that day, but we're also kind of scared because we have to leave all of our stuff at this complete stranger's shop that we we literally met in, in a fucking parking lot. Yeah. 
Yeah, I could see where that be, would be, uh, you know, and concerned about that, definitely. And we're like, we're not far from the Mexican border. And as you know, things can go missing and go over the border pretty, pretty easily, you know? Yeah. So we're kind of freaking out. We're staying in this hotel. And then he finally calls and says, I've managed to fix your van. And we're like, what the, f- oh my God, this is crazy. Like, they we're, we're going to be back on the tour. We get the van, everything's honky-dory. We get to uh, San Francisco. Mind you, it costs us $3,000. Now, now there were four shows, I think, that you guys missed? Yeah, we were, we were three or four shows missed at this point because yeah. it was memorial, like the Memorial Day weekend. We couldn't get parts. We couldn't get shit. Um, we got back to the show. I think the show we returned to was San Francisco. Yeah, because I remember seeing you guys in San Francisco. Yeah. Now, on the way to San Francisco... Because it was a, like we had a long drive to catch up. We had to stop in Sacramento to grab our booking agent. Um, and he jumped in the van and he was supposed to get out in Vancouver when our second drummer was supposed to get in the van with us. And he was, we were telling him about the curse and about all this shit that happened. He's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. This is bullshit. Right? Uh, you know, you guys are just crazy. So we play the San Francisco show. Everything's fine. As you know, we were all having a good time. But then we break down again uh, on the way to Oregon or on the way to Portland, I think. Yeah, Portland was the next day because there's always that lovely 12-hour drive after San Francisco to Portland. Yeah, yep. Precisely. And we're, we break down. We can't believe it. Like We just put 3000 into this van. Like, What the fuck is going on? It just so happens the guys in origin were behind us when we broke down. So they're like, stop and try to help us. And they're like, you guys better call someone. You're fucked. So I called the AAA again. They come and get us again, but they charge us another $450. So we're like, the tab is getting up pretty high. Okay. And uh, we're like laughing because like, what the fuck is going on? Like, how does this happen? We get towed to another mechanic. And they say, like, we're actually closed for the next three days and we're the only mechanic in town. We're like, oh, right. You can't just, like, look at the van and tell us if there's something wrong. Right. They're like, no, the mechanic left. Like, you're going to have to wait till whatever day. So we spend three days in Oregon, which is, like, reminiscent of Canada in certain ways. Like, there's dispensaries everywhere. Um, The bars are really cool. We were having a good time hanging out. Um, Actually, we were at a bar and these two dudes gave us like three ounces of weed out of the trunk of their car while they were like falling all over the place. It was very surreal. And like, we're, pr- we're pretty sure they were demons, but we'll not even get into that, you know? So they gave us three ounces of weed. So we're, we're okay for these, the next few days in this shitty hotel. Um, actually fun fact, when we were on that, in that hotel, JP met a, a girl on Tinder and he was able to get a sweet, sweet BJ and get us all sandwiches, nice. which was pretty nice, you know, but we were, we basically went to the shop on the Monday or the Sunday, whenever they, they called us and they said w- within 10 minutes, they were able to look at this fan and say like the engine's blown, like something catastrophic has happened. Uh, the exact words were this engine has experienced catastrophic failure like something bad has happened. So there's metal shards to the engine and everything. So we're like, okay, so we got to leave the van. So we spend the next day and a half 
f- trying to find any form of transportation because everything is rented. Everything from Vancouver to Seattle to Portland, even further south is rented. And I don't know if you've been to Oregon, uh, well, at least Medford where we were, but like every store also had a sign on it saying, sorry, we're closed because uh, we don't have enough employees. So we were in a town where we couldn't even go get food. Wow. Uh, we started like we started feeling like uh like we had died at some point on the tour and we were in like a purgatory, you know? Yeah. I've been there and, before. Uh, I've been there before. Man. I know what you're well, saying. Well the well our next album's called It Sounds Like Purgatory to Me because of, of that tour. So we start trying to find some kind of way out. We got this trailer, we got all this gear. Like what the fuck are we gonna do? So the only thing we can find is a Penske truck. And they're like, you can't take a trailer. And we're like, okay. And they're like, if you take a trailer, it voids all the insurance. All of it. Meaning, even if you someone hits you, you have to replace this truck. And we're like, okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Because we just need to get back to Canada. We could not find anything. We had a team of five people on the phones for 12 hours trying to find a, a rental vehicle with a some kind of trailer hitch because we had to get all our gear back. The only thing we could get, and to be fair, we got it because the person was very desperate to rent it out, I'm sure. We got a box truck with a trailer hitch. And this is where we reappear in your life. Dude, and when, when I saw you guys roll up in that thing, I was like, you got it. This is like... I felt like it was like a hallucination or something like that. I was like, how are you guys traveling in this thing? Well, we had all these cots in the back. So we were, we would, we bungee corded the cots to the side of the, the truck in the back. And we just lie down in the back. You know, there's no windows. There's no anything. It was, there's not even a vent. So, uh, the, actually the first 30 to 40 hours, which is what it took us to catch back up to the tour was not that bad it was pretty comfortable we were all like just sleeping and it was good weather but then when we got to the midwest there was a heat wave which as you know is very rare so we had to take a break every hour because it was getting to 45 to 46 degrees in the back of there and we were we had um a couple coolers filled with ice and we if it was like super hot we were basically all naked in the back, and if it was super hot, we'd just dunk our heads in the ice bucket. Dude, and that's what I'm saying, man. I was like, when you guys showed up, because I think the next time I saw you guys was Minneapolis, maybe, right? Yeah, we were, that's where we caught up back with the tour, and we were actually we were supposed to drop the truck off in Minneapolis, and we were, we ended up just saying, fuck it, we'll pay the extra $1,400 to, to keep this truck, which they never charged us for. Oh. Okay. Because they had lied to us. Oh. So we had tried to get this this truck for uh, just to get us out of uh, the West Coast, you know. We needed to get somewhere closer where maybe there was a bigger city that we could get a truck, right? Uh, like a smaller truck with less money involved. What ended up happening was they lied to us and said the minimum amount of rental you could have was nine days. Um, it turns out it was two days or one day or something. So we ended up getting a rebate on this on this truck rental. Uh, we saved, I think, about fourteen hundred dollars. It only cost us about three grand. 
Which is not that bad, actually, because as you know, like going from one end of the continent to the other, like that's not a that's not a short distance, right? No, absolutely not. So we ended up actually lucking out with that. But when we caught up with you guys, things just started going a little bit better. But we had to we had this like the problem was that heat wave in the back, and of course the tornadoes in Kansas as we were going uh, through there as well. We. Uh, End the tour with you guys, and everything's great. Then we go, uh, but then there's a problem, right? We we can't take this truck over the border. Like, it's, it's not allowed. It's illegal. In fact, at, re- at this point in time, you're not allowed to take a rental car over the border unless you're returning it to the country of origin. I didn't know so that. So we're, yeah, it, this is a new thing, actually, and I don't understand how a lot of travelers can cope with it because from my understanding, it was a normal thing to be able to go and drop your car off in a different country if you're traveling. So they're saying, and it's probably has something to do with this pandemic and all the shortage of cars, right? So nowhere will rent us a truck or a van or an SUV to take the trailer over the border and then drop the, the truck off or whatever in our province or our home. So I have to call a friend to, uh, to meet us somewhere. And uh, he says, I'll meet you in Detroit. So we go to Detroit, but on the way to Detroit, we have a uh, rooting show like everyone else does in uh, South Bend, Indiana. We arrive to South Bend and we meet up with one of uh, one of our like our friends, and we'd got messages all day saying, "You got to not play the show because the owner of the bar you're playing is a rapist." Oh, okay, that's some serious shit. And and it's that's pretty serious, you know. The first message we we got, we were like, you know, you know, business is business, and this is a weird allegation, you know. We're I don't want to get involved with this shit. Like, just ignore it. But then we got like five or six more messages from different fans, and at that point, we were like, uh, we we should probably reconsider what we're doing here. So, we canceled the show, and uh, the fans pulled together and give us a bunch of money so that we uh i think we ended up with like we sold merch and we did all this like all this all this shit with the fans and they i think we ended up with like more than what we would have got as our guarantee which is kind of crazy right yeah and fucking amazing (laughs) actually yeah it, it was it was weird so we didn't play but we we ended up meeting with the fans and having a good time one of the fans says to us I'll drive you to um, Detroit, like so that the extra guys don't have to sit in the back of the truck. Two of the guys can drive, and I'll take the rest. And I said, "Well, you know, that's 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 so nice of you. Is I hope it's not like you know too much of a problem." He's like, "I, you guys are my favorite band. It's the first concert I've seen in years and years because he had to come to see us on a different show." Um, please just accept and I, I say okay you know it's out of my comfort zone but I'll, I'll you know take some of the guys me and mark roy will drive the the truck and uh they leave about 40 minutes before us because mark and i had to go into the store and get some food and and have a coffee because we were kind of tired and we'd reserved a hotel so we were like finally we're going to be able to end this tour on a good note we'll get a hotel we just got a bit of extra money even though uh, we didn't play the show. We get to. There's no load in, no load out. We were, it was kind of like a nice, a nice way to end. 
and uh, we're about a half an hour, 45 minutes away from that the van in front of us, and uh, one of the tires on the Penske truck exploded. And I had to pull over, and I don't know if you guys, if the listeners remember right now, you're not allowed to have a trailer on a Penske truck. Yeah, that was from the early earlier on. Yep, that's that's. And yep. and two guys can't lift the trailer alone when it's fully loaded. So I had to call them and tell them, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, just call Penske; they'll come fix the trailer." I'm like, "Yeah, that's that. They will do that, but we have to get the trailer off first. So like, oh, fuck. So they have to go back and meet us at a rest stop. They have to drive backwards an hour. By the time, you know, like, we get the trailer off, the call the fucking Penske, it's about 2 in the morning. They don't get the tire fixed till 4.30. Like, we're not going to the hotel. So we booked the hotel for no fucking reason. And we have to, even though we have tried to avoid it in every way, sleep in the back of this box truck again so we sleep in the box truck again go meet my friend who has has been waiting for us in detroit in a parking lot close to the penske drop-off we drop off the truck in penske they don't charge us an extra fourteen hundred dollars thank fucking god i can't even believe that happened so we're very lucky uh we go over the border we play a another rooting show it's a festival um the festival has yet to pay me for the festival because we got in an argument with the sound guy who turns out to be the owner of the venue because he wouldn't let us line check. And as you know, we play with like click tracks yeah, and samples important. and stuff. Yeah. Like you can't do a, a set without hearing what's going on. And every time we asked for a sound check, he would just boost up the music louder and louder. The house music, which was at the time EDM music before a death metal band plays, right? perfectly appropriate so we still yet to get paid for this show which at the time we were like wow everything's going great you know like nothing bad is going on so when i got home eventually i was like oh they're not giving me the guarantee what's going on so i'm having to take this this promoter to court uh right now actually um which is going to be easy because our managers told us we will win because they're not paying us for for no reason basically it's like telling someone to build a deck and then you say well you know the, the guy's building the deck says you're a jerk and then you say well you build the deck and now i'm not paying you because you call me a jerk like that's that's still not allowed you know yeah it's pretty cut and so dry this guy owes you the money for sure yeah so we're still owed the money for this this tour this tour date which was a festival uh probably the biggest festival in that in this city and i don't want to get into it too much because i'm going to be taking the court and if i start uh badgering them on a podcast i'll probably not have too much of a leverage on my side so that that happens and this is after the uh the rapist night where we had to cancel the show because of the rapist and then the next night we have our last show it's in quebec city uh well outside of quebec city in a town called trois rivières we get to the venue and again we get start getting messages from these fucking fans who are saying the opening band is a Nazi band, so no one's coming to the show tonight. And we start getting messages from like 30 or 40 fans. We're like, what the fuck is going on? So I show the promoter. The promoter freaks out immediately. And I, and I just I just grabbed this Nazi band's merch and shit and just threw it out the fucking front door and said, you guys aren't fucking playing. This is crazy. What is wrong with you guys? And apparently this, this is a band who's like, 
you know, throwing out the Zig Heil on stage, you know? Oh, wow. Like, yeah. how did this go unseen? I don't know. The curse is real. What can I say, you know? And again, I, I got home after this thinking like, oh, at least Guelph was good, but then the promoter never paid us and we uh, over complete bullshit. So all I have to say is that I'm never, ever fucking going through the Arizona desert like ever again. And I'm never, I might agree to do a tour there. Like I might agree to do a tour that goes through there, but you can bet your fucking ass I'm going to cancel that show last minute. 100 percent right before it happens be like uh we we can't go because uh my i got a bad leg you know something like that because i'm so scarred mentally from the shit that happened to us in that desert every turn i took i felt like i was fighting to stay alive so if anyone ever sees a car pull up to them in the navajo fucking desert just don't talk to them because skinwalkers are real. I'm telling you, man. That guy was a fucking demon. He came, or a witch doctor, whatever the fuck he was. And he came for us and he, he had a target on my fucking face to teach me some kind of lesson, some kind of life value lesson, which I've, I've really yet to, to completely un, uncover about myself. But this is the, one of the most crazy times I've ever been through in my life. And really, you guys got, like, to kind of witness it firsthand. And no one would believe any of these fucking stories unless there was other people around. Man, that's a wild story, dude. That's a fucking wild story. And like, I, I don't I, even think you knew all those details. Like, you no, probably didn't. No, we never talked about any of this stuff on the tour, man. And the thing is, it's like, I, um, I'm really into, like, folklore and, you know, the occult and all that sort of stuff. And, and I, I'm familiar with the Skinwalker, you know, like, native folklore. And, uh, fuck, dude, that's uncanny is the first word that comes to mind, I guess. Yeah, every, every like, I've told a few, uh, a few people who are considered to be native shaman within their tribes... And they've said, like, listen, man, you need to you need to get cleansed because that like it's more than obvious that that guy fucking cursed you. Like you, you need to you need to take care of this before it gets out of hand. And although the curse has seemingly subsided since we've got back, we've got like a couple other tours we've got lined up and we don't wanna <laughs> we don't want it to to chase us through, you know? So it seems like I'm probably going to end up getting some kind of cleanse with some kind of white sage. Hopefully no more monster trucks, you know? I was going to ask you about that. Um, if you had actually tried to find someone to help you with this, you know? I mean, I, I have all kinds of weird beliefs about stuff. So I, I um, you know, I ask you this in all honesty, man. Have you tried to locate someone? Yes. Okay. Oh, absolutely. So... I have a, a really good friend named Lewis Barnaby and he's a, he's a member of the, the Micmac tribe and he's already on the lookout for someone to try to cleanse me. You know, he said he'd do it himself, but he doesn't think it's going to be strong enough. You know, I, what can I say? Like, um, I'm not, I was never a man of superstition, but now mm, I'm not sure, you know, like when we were at that at that hotel in central Arizona, 
we watched a guy. A guy came up to us and asked us to find a hospital for him because he had got the end of his fucking finger cut off, which he showed us over some kind of drug feud, and then ended up just putting it on ice at the fucking Denny's and ended up smoking crack all night, like outside of our room. So we've on that tour, we saw it all, man. We saw every single little thing, and it was just crazy every step of the way. But at the same time, it's probably one of the most fun tours I've ever done in my life because the stories are unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, that's well beyond anything that I was even aware that happened to you guys, man, 100%. Yeah, every step of the way was insane. And uh, the, the, the album we just finished recording, uh, I'm actually in Montreal right now. I live in Ottawa, which is about two hours from here. We've been recording our album in Montreal for the last four days, and the subject of the album has turned into that tour. It's I think I told you that online. Yeah. I think I, uh, it's going to be called "It Sounds Like Purgatory to Me," and it's all about the the tour we did. And every song is going to feature someone who was on that tour from a like a different band than ours. And before going into this. Uh, into this tour we we like we had a completely different subject matter and the the album was basically already done and as soon as the tour was over i looked at matt and said you know we gotta we gotta rename the album we gotta write this album about this tour this tour is fucked uh in terms of unpredictability and and things just happening to us that we could you could just never expect and the really fucked up part is we didn't lose any money that blows my mind, man. We crushed it in merch. You know, um, the 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 drummer for Origin, uh, John, he actually asked our drummer, he said, you know, someone in that band must be rich, eh? And, and then our drummer said, no, man, they're just been crushing it on merch. That's it. Like, and so we ended up not, not actually losing anything when we came back. We broke, uh, we actually did a bit better than breaking even. We made four grand. That's oh, great, dude. That's fucking awesome. So how weird is that? Imagine how well we would have done had all the twelve to $15,000 worth of bullshit hadn't happened, right? I know, man. That's, you know. I I know that the story's probably a little more intense than you thought it was going to be, right? hundred, Dude, I thought it was going to be like, yeah, we broke down. We, like, got a bunch of weed and partied. And we went to a hot tub. You know, that, I was like, that, you guys were like very stoic in this whole thing and none of this real dark heavy shit came to the forefront when we saw you guys no you know, you know and, why uh, because we love playing music yeah i mean but you guys had such a great attitude that's what i mean man it was like um concealed by the positive attitude that you had and uh you know even well, when i saw you guys like in the back of that hot box truck in the blistering heat in the uh you know e even the fact that there was a heat wave in the midwest is probably part of the curse too you know what i mean of course and every step of the way every step of the way we were fighting and you know it makes you appreciate life a bit better wow damn That's you know you got to find the silver lining in everything and we've had the same thing happen to us in the cold so like i said before you know all the guys we took a vote actually where we're sitting in the back of that van i said hot or cold what do you guys like better and we were this is after two hours of sitting in the back of that thing 45 degrees and we haven't had a break yet because we got stuck in chicago traffic and everyone raised their hands said cold so you know 
comparatively to some of the other tours, we didn't suffer as much. But uh, like I said, you know, the only it, it's it feels so good that the only thing we didn't have to worry about was playing music. Because no matter what happened to us, we we're like, at least we know when we get to the venue, we're just going to play our set properly because we practice so much and that's what we're here to do. You know? Yeah, I mean, you guys killed it every night, man. You know, for sure. You know, it never any of the hardships that you went through never never were carried on stage. You know, what I mean? uh, uh, well, unless I unless I talked about it in between the songs, which I I did a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> as far as like it didn't affect the performances, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. yeah. If anything, it made our performances better. Paul from Origin was telling us, you know, like you go, you guys just every time you you guys go through something, your performance gets a little bit crazier. You know, and I'm saying, well, how much more shit do I got to go through? You know, like how <laughs> how crazy is it going to get? You know, so. But it's it was a great experience. Like I I met you. I met so many good friends. You know. Hell yeah, absolutely, man. You know, like I'm, you and me are going to be friends for life, man. The the shit that I that you watched me have to fucking deal with on that tour, you're gonna, we're going to be getting a you know beers until the day I die. That's, That's right. It. It would be like some old men, like out on the porch, talking about the uh, the Skinwalker curse. Man, uh, you know, I'm not a man of superstition, but I'm questioning some of my uh, beliefs after that tour because, like, we were convinced at one point we were looking at each other like we died on the uh, on one of the first nights. There's no way any of this shit's real. Like, there's it's just not possible. Like I watched a guy with his fucking finger cut off ask me where the nearest hospital was. I the desert is I, such I, a spooky place, man, especially at night, you know. I don't think that there's been enough like media, movies, high budget films about how fucked up the desert is. Like there's fear and loathing in Las Vegas. There's maybe some other like City Slickers is kind of like in some r rough areas, but the desert's a fucked up place, man. Like, paranormally. I never really knew until the shit we went through, but we've, we all voted, man. We're never going through that canyon. We're never going through, we're taking the long way next time. Dude. I like guess it's, it's crazy. I mean, I don't know how deep you are until like that. I mean, I I'm, I love all that stuff. And there's uh there's a couple of documentaries about skinwalkers. Yeah, you know, I've been uh, since I got home, I've gotten a bunch of messages from people about how I should really research it a bit more. But I just get scared every time because the the similarities between what I've experienced and what I've read about are just so, like you said, uncanny that it starts to make me feel like I'm on mushrooms or like I'm tripping on acid or something when I start reading this stuff because it's, it's so surreal. It's just scary, you know? Yeah. But thank God I made it back because, like, uh, like I said, my wife is very pregnant. Um, we have a, a, a new album to do. We were really worried we weren't going to be able to get the gear and the trailer back. So we're just, oh, I've left out a part of the story, Michael. Okay, what's the, what's the part? My friend came and picked us up in Detroit with a rental truck. And uh, the rental truck broke down. <laughs> oh, no. That's fucking incredible. Oh, yes. man. That's so incredible. So the, the, the rental truck broke down directly in front of my house. 
and uh, then basically we had to like you know ask for a rebate, all the normal shit, which we did get, but you know we had four vehicle breakdowns in three days. So when we went to do the last show in Trois Rivières, which was in Quebec, we actually just said fucking took all of our cars. So that curse followed us right to my front door because the truck broke down in front of my house. Wow. And then of course, you know, uh, my wife's super pregnant. So I had to quarantine myself. So I ended up sleeping at my work on a cot for another five days or seven days or something. So it wasn't much different from being in the back of the van or the truck or whatever. Man, that's 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 such a wild story and uh it makes you think that reality is a lot stranger maybe than we all think it is well i think it's a fine line um usually in people's lives there's not a compound reaction of so many weird and strange events but in this one specific scenario we experienced about 40 or 50 really fucked up things. And there's a lot of things I actually left out too. Um, a lot of really weird things that happened. Um, I think I mentioned very briefly that we, a couple guys gave us a couple of ounces of weed. Yeah. Out front, you know, there's like more to that story. Well, you mentioned that of, you mentioned that you thought they were demons too. Yeah. Like there's, there's more to like, I could, I could probably go on for a good while, but in the end, people are going to read about it because uh, we're releasing a, a book with our EP, our five-song EP about this experience, you know, and it's going to be a book that co that explains every song because the songs are now about this tour, but if you don't know about the tour, the songs don't make any sense, so it, it's going to come with a book. Wow, that's kinda... a great idea, man. I'm really excited to, to fucking read that. And the book is going to explain... It's uh, I think it's called the 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 Arizona Manifesto or the Skinwalker Manifesto, and it's uh, gonna it's every every single detail from each member's perspective um, about each of the songs. That's cool, man. That, damn, that's gonna be fucking awesome. I think. Well, it'll be weird, you know, and that's kind of where I've, where I've made my career in 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 metal is off of being a little bit different, and. I think that you know, the only way to, to do the story justice is by at least informing people as to what's going on. They can choose to read it or not, but the songs just won't make any sense if, if you don't. Uh, it's you know? right up the alley of the kind of shit that I like to read. So <laughs> it's, it's like for me, it's perfect. Well, I'll send you a couple copies and you give them to your friends in your book club. Fuck, I, I have a book club, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> really? Yeah, man. No way. Yeah, man. We I got like a, a small circle of people and we fucking talk about books and, you know, all that kind of shit. That's badass, man. Yeah, dude. Well, I'll definitely send you a couple copies then. Hell That's, yeah, man. I'm not even joking, you know? Oh, fuck yeah, dude. I, I, I am, after talking, after hearing this story, I am like intrigued by like what more details are going to be in the written part of this thing. And I'm fucking so looking forward to it. There's... You know, it's every single day on that tour, I woke up with the, with like the, the mentality, like, oh, at least the, the crazy part's done. 
and then it it would just get even more fucked up. And I was explaining to the guys in Cryptopsy, uh, or at least a, f- a few of the guys in Cryptopsy yesterday, and they're like, "Man, I don't know what it is with you and touring, but like, crazy shit just happens to you on tour all the time." And uh, same at this party I'm at right now. They're saying, you know, like I said earlier, it wouldn't be a clitoris tour if it wasn't crazy chaotic. And when is it a clitoris tour if it gone normally? Well, never. So, at least I. It it would be it would feel wrong if we didn't have something weird happen. So, I mean, so maybe it's a little bit uh, pseudo masochistic, but I mean, we maybe we kind of like it. I don't know. Maybe we kind of ask for it. I don't. I have no idea. This at this point, I don't know. But you, you said it yourself. We looked like we were in good spirits the whole time. We honestly, we were having fun. I don't know if it's uh I don't know probably well, I, just a little I I know I know a, a lot of people that experience like that would crush them and completely they would wouldn't wouldn't have made it honestly Well I know a lot of people who would have would have just gone home Yeah Yeah they would have went you know? home Yep And the thing with us was we had our gear in that trailer and the way home was to the shows so we had to do it. And the second we got to the first show in Minneapolis back, we were like, we're not, we were thinking maybe we'll drop off before Kansas because it's a bit of a long drive. We we're like, you know, fuck it. We came here to do our job. We came here to put on a good show. And we're here now. Well, let's just do the rest of the fucking tour. You know, that's what, that's what the, that's what anyone who cares about music would do. Hell yeah, man. And that's, and if you can't handle that, then, well, I mean, it's rock and roll, baby. That's what it's all about. You know, if Metallica did it, I can do it. That's it. You were saying that you were still working on the record, right? Or were you, how, or have, is it done recording? I, I, I think I'm confused. The drums and the guitar are done. Okay. So all right. right now uh, we're doing bass and then we're doing vocals after, but the hardest parts are, are done. Yeah, so, the, yeah, the drums, guitars, for sure, man. Definitely the and drums. And really hard, like, we were just doing, we just did four days of drums. I've had the guitars finished for about two weeks. And uh, I'd been working on the guitars for about two years since our last album came out. And uh, as soon as I was done writing, I sent it to our drummers, and they wrote the parts. And I don't know if you know that either, but we've got two drummers in our band, right? I think you met one of them in I met Vancouver. One. yep. Yeah, and the other one came out to the shows in Vancouver and Calgary. And uh, our other drummer, our JP's the one we tour with. Our other drummer is named Jack, and he actually like won world's fastest drummer at NAMM. He's an extraordinary musician. Uh, we're very blessed to have all these people in the in the band. You know, I I, I just I can't even believe it. You know? when, when's the record coming out like when do you guys think you're going to get the record out well we have a tour lined up in march that hasn't been announced yet with gorod and cognitive okay i know we're hoping we yeah we're hoping we can get it out at that point also uh flubs on the tour Not which is uh they're a good band they're on the uh label called the artisan era they're like a technical progressive band mm-hmm. but uh and then we have a couple other things in the works for like asia and europe but uh we're trying our hardest to get this album out before um 
before the tour, at least during the tour, right? So, you know, the last album took me six years. This one took me two years. So either way, I'm happy, you know? Yeah. Well, thanks. Do you do a lot of your own? Do you do a lot? Of, uh, I'm sorry to keep it going here, but no, do you do no, no. a lot on your own recording at home? Um, demos. I don't record, uh, like the actual records. I don't, I would record in the studio. Like I, I, uh, yeah. I mean, there's some stuff in the demo <clears throat> that makes it to the final record. You know, there might be, I mean, basically the stuff I record at home, um, is a demo with a click track. And yeah. mo most of the time we just take that very same session, blast out all the demo tracks. And if there's anything in there that's like usable, like some sort of guitar thing or whatever, we yeah. just will use that same session to record the, the actual thing, you know? And you can, you'll keep like DIs and stuff and reamp or do you keep, uh, yeah, we always yeah. reamp everything. Yeah, yeah. Same here. Same here. So, I've been recording our last albums at my house, which is why this next album took me way less time, you know. There's Anyways. a lot to be said for working at home, man, for sure, I think. Uh, pandemic, I had to. I, there was no way I could get into a studio. Yeah. And uh, the other thing was uh, my producer refused to, like, record my guitars. He's like, uh, you're, you're too, you take too long, you're too intense in the studio. I, I'll teach you how to do it at home. Cause I had no idea how to record. So he just taught me how to record it at home. And that, that, <laughs> that's kind of funny actually. But so, so you just send him the DIs and he reamps everything. And, and he reamps everything. Yeah. yeah. And we co-produce everything, which is really fun. You know, uh, that's a really cool way to, to like paint with music, you know, that that's the way to do it these days, man. Is I back, I, it, it took a while to convince me that reamping was like, uh, you know, the way to go. But I'm all about it now, man. You got so much more control of your sound, and I don't know I like it. It's perfect. It's it's uh, the perfect use of technology. As long as you can get a good performance, and as long as the performance is genuine and not bullshit punch-ins, then of course, it's uh, a it's a great a great thing. The worst is when you hear bands and you're like, "Whoa, these are a lot of punch-ins." You know, I can't. I can hear it's punch-ins. You know. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. You hear some of these like, like super tech bands and it's like, you know, yeah, of course they can play that stuff because it's all punched in. Yeah, of course. And like, that's the only thing that pisses me off about technologies that you, you know, I basically record like it's tape. So I'll do like long sections or whatever. Mm -hmm. But the reamping, man, that's a lifesaver. Wow. Like we used to have to be committed to the to the tone, you know, now at least... You can get the performance down, and then the tone, if it's fucked, you can fix it, you know? Yeah, when, when uh, the times we work with Eric Rutan, we um, would always have a DI, but we would also amp up the, uh, you know, mic up the amps, rather. And uh, Of course, man. Er uh, Eric's old school. Yeah. He's, he wants to do it the, the badass way, you know? Yeah, and, and uh, it would be a blend. You know, we would reamp everything, like maybe some songs – it was all di some songs were amps you know but it's it's nice to have that option right absolutely man you know but yeah uh, anyways yeah. all this nerd all this shitty nerd talk will stop you know <laughs> just, this has nothing to do with the with the curse this we should be talking about this on the phone after the fucking thing's done so <laughs> <laughs> so let's not give away too many of our at home uh reamping voodoo magic secrets the uh, you know we record everything the first time, one yeah, take. One, live, the whole band together. Yeah. <laughs> live, everyone together, one mic in the middle of the room like the Beatles. <laughs> Phil Spector. Yes. Yeah. 
But that thanks for that story, man. That that was quite a story, I tell you, Aaron. Yeah, you know, amazing. I actually have uh, two people outside of my. I'm I'm doing this interview in my car right now because I'm out, I'm outside of the venue, uh, sort of the the party where the venue where the party's at. Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, I have I've had my best one of my best friends Barry knocking on the window saying come in and tell the story because they're waiting for me to go oh, back in and tell the exact okay. same story because they've been waiting for for uh, about a month since I got back two months to hear this insane story you know dude uh, you gotta give them what they want man so I'm about to go tell the exact same goddamn story and uh, I'm at the point now where I'm the PTSD is not as bad <laughs> so yeah fuck yeah dude I totally understand <laughs> that man so I can tell the story a few times in a night and not, uh, not lose sleep over it, you know? Dude. Before you go, hey. what's, uh, where can people find you, man? What's, uh, you know, like just the, the links. If they want to follow the band, they want to go to you know, your band camp, like all that kind of stuff. Well, you, you check out Calitaris on the internet. Check out Annihilator on the internet. My name's Aaron. My last name's Homa. And I like to play music. And y'all are welcome to follow me around in the end. You're going to see me no matter what because I'm kind of all over the place. Thank you so much, Aaron. I appreciate all this, man. Thank hey, you. thanks, Michael. We'll be talking soon because you got to do those those guest vocals on my new album. So It would be my honor, man. I'll talk to you soon. Take care, thanks brother. so right. much for having me. Absolutely. Cheers.